Hi, you are listening to Chair Chats with Chairwoman Chantel Brown, the Cuyahoga County Council member representing the Cuyahoga County Democratic Party. And today, you are tuning in, you are listening to um, one of our special guests today. Give us a shout out. Who are we here with today? State Representative Jeff Crossman from Parma. Got Jeff Crossman, State Representative, representing the large, large community of Parma. And before we get into it, I'd like to do a little bit of an icebreaker so our uh, listeners can get a, just a general feel for the everyday person that you are. So I'm going to throw out a couple of things, uh, two options, and you tell me which one you prefer. You can tell me why or why not, or not, nothing at all. But are you ready? Sure. All right. Early mornings or late nights? Early mornings. Basketball or football? Football. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Roller blades or roller skates? Oh, geez, that's a tough one. <laughs> uh, we always, as a family, when growing up, we used to do the old style roller skates, but I did appreciate the uh, the rollerblading later on. Okay, I'm a big roller skater myself. So, salty or sweet? Salty and sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs or cats? Dogs. Pizza or pasta? Pizza and pasta all day long, every day. Yeah. Um, red wine or white wine? Red wine. Poolside or beachfront? Ooh, poolside. Spring or fall? Fall. Batman or Spider-Man? Batman. And if you had a superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, boy, I love the Iron Man <laughs> suit because there's just so much you could do with it. You, know, okay. you could fight crime. You could, you know, save the world. Yes, you know. which is fitting, which is fitting for the work that you do. You you are you are establishing legislation that um, hopefully fights crime. And, and while you're doing that, you are saving the world as a state rep. I like at least that's what I like to believe. So in your role, what led you to run? Wow, that's a deep question, deeper than people might think. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's a calling. I really do. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like some people might be called to the ministry, some people might be called to uh, become educators. Uh, I, I feel called to do public service, and and that's what I regard my role as as a public servant. So tell me this: were you were you were you drafted? Were you recruited? Was there something that just that just said, hey, this is the time, this is this is my race, I'm going to do this right now. What was that? Well, for the state rep race uh, last year in 2018, uh, it was a little bit of a, a mix because okay. uh, I had felt uh, called to do public service. I was serving on Parma City Council for the p- prior five years, mm-hmm. and uh, our my predecessor, Representative Celebrezzi, had decided it was uh, time for him to step aside. So uh, it was a little bit of a surprise okay. because he was already on the ballot. He was unopposed. Shout he out just to kinda, Nick. Yeah, Nick's yeah. great. Uh, he could have ridden it out. Mm-hmm. and um, But to his credit, he wanted to give the voters an opportunity to select a new candidate. Uh, he withdrew uh, with about 90 days left to go in the election. And so um, I wanted to step up and represent my community uh, like he had done and like others from Parma had done in prior years. And um, so I felt compelled to do it at that moment. Okay. Um, but it was something I was thinking about for a while, um, you know, how I can serve my community best, where policy decisions are made that impact our local communities, as okay. you well know. Yes. Um, and uh, having served on council, uh, I saw how the state was really hurting us in a lot of ways, and I felt that I had a a voice that could be heard down there to help us here. Now, before we get into that, it sounds like um, we've had a couple of people on before you, and they share with uh, they've shared with our audience, listening audience, the steps that they had to take to um, become elected or appointed. So, can you talk a little bit about the steps you had to take as it relates to becoming a state rep? Sure. Well, I think having served as city councilman was a big piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're 
learning from the ground up. The local government is where the rubber meets the road. You yes. know, that's where the, you're most likely to interact with your constituents. Mm-hmm. Um, y- you know, you're going to see firsthand how state policy impacts uh, what happens at the local level. And I it. think that for the folks that go right to the state house, I think they're missing a big part of uh, the reason why they should be doing what they do, yeah. uh, which is understanding the role of the state government and on everyday people's lives. Right. Um, so for me to get to the state state uh, race, mm-hmm. I had to be appointed to the ballot. Okay. And uh, again, that's because Rep. Celebrizzi left. He was already on the ballot with about 90 days to go in the election. And so the Democratic Precinct Committee got the opportunity to select the candidate to replace Rep. Celebrezzi on the ballot. So there was an election. It was That was the primary. Yeah. Uh, uh, that was the election. And so it was more about um, uh, explaining and advocating to the Precinct Committee members yeah. uh, you know, why, my, why I was best fit for that role. Awesome. So uh, that's an, and then I wanted to just highlight that because that is an unconventional way, but it also demonstrates the importance of our precinct slash central committee members. That is a huge responsibility. Do you remember um, how many people uh, were eligible to vote in the precinct committee? Uh, yes, there. So we have, I believe it's uh, 55 precinct committee members just in Parma. Wow. And I do want to give a shout out to the rest of the district. <laughs> Uh, because it does encompass more than Parma. Parma gets uh, a large say because they encompass most of the district. But the old is it Brooklyn the seventh native, or eighth largest? Parma is Mayor DeGeter will always say is the seventh largest uh, <laughs> city in the okay. in the state. So, um, but uh, the District 15 represent uh, encompasses more than just Parma. Yes. It's it's the old Brooklyn neighborhood in Cleveland, yes. um, uh, which I'm very fond of. I uh, have some roots there too. Yes. And then uh, Cuyahoga Heights, the village of Cuyahoga Heights. Okay. Um, Village of Brooklyn Heights, uh-huh. and there's a couple precincts um, in Councilwoman uh, Santana's ward as okay, well. So, right. um, and I've had the pleasure of getting to know her as awesome. well. So. Awesome. So, very diverse but very large district, and um, we appreciate your willingness to serve and stepping up in that capacity. So, and um, if I may answer your question, yeah, I think ahead. there were roughly 65 precinct members that vote that had the opportunity to vote, most of which actually did show up for okay. that vote. Okay, so. that's the one thing that I am eternally grateful for as the chairwoman of the uh, Cuyahoga County uh, Democrats. They, we have no um, issues with getting them to come out and fulfill those types of responsibilities. So thank you to all of the precinct members that are um, fulfilling their duties as it relates to the roles and um, responsibilities there. So was that was that an opposed race? Do you have any? Yeah, okay. so a little, uh, little interesting wrinkle in state law. <laughs> if your candidate that is unopposed uh, withdraws between the precinct, or excuse me, between the primary and the general election, the opposing party has the opportunity to put somebody in the race. And they uh-huh. did, in fact, drop someone in the race. And then we had a we uh, had a full 90-day sprint to the finish. Oh gosh! So a lot of it's a lot of a lot of work. It sounds like um, coming into your election, and um, we are grateful to have uh, you be you to come out the victor. So, state reps. Um, one of the things that I want our listeners to gain from these podcasts are understanding the different roles and responsibilities. Now, that's the legislative branch, and um, they, that's a two-year term, right? Two-year term. So it's you a, get there, you learn the job, and. <laughs> You're turning around, you're doing it again. And you've got to get back out there and start running. But one of the things I want you to touch on for us are some of the roles and responsibilities of the state reps. 
Well, as you mentioned, it's a legislative position, but um, it encompasses more than just writing bills and yeah. sitting in committees, because yeah. um, there is a fair amount of constituent work. Okay. Um, and so we're on the we're on a recess now, but people think that means a break, and that's not the case. Yeah. So I've been trying to get out into the community and actually interact with residents and constituents and understand uh, what is of concern to them and how we might fit into them, uh, you know, fit legislation that, that meets their needs. Um, but you know, we get a lot of emails and uh, phone calls and you know, uh, messages over social media, mm. and people do want to have that interaction with mm-hmm. their elected officials, and I think that's a big part of the job. Okay, so you you have a, um, a large uh, territory and, again, a diverse district. You talked about uh, getting some correspondence from your constituents. What are some of the top concerns that you um, are receiving right now as it relates to um, your role as a state rep? Well, the one thing that's a little bit different uh, from being a state representative than being on council is uh, I see how sort of the national narrative and the lo- and the state narrative impacts the types of communication that I receive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we are unfortunate to have a, a couple shooting incidents yes. in uh, Ohio and Dayton, and in El Paso, for example. For example, and uh, you know, immediately we started getting communications on both sides of that issue mm-hmm. um, to my office in Columbus. So, um, that's an example. So we'll get um, a lot of times communication revolving around. Um, issues that are in the news. Okay. Um, uh, pre-existing conditions is a concern. Mm-hmm. That was in the national news in ju- early July because there's a case pending right now uh, that threatens health care mm-hmm. for many, o- not just Ohioans, but across the country, mm-hmm. uh, depending on what, what, what happens with that case. So um, that's a big piece of it. But locally, I would say uh, a lot of the things that we've heard uh, from constituents are uh, healthcare being one mm-hmm. uh, big big issue both during the campaign last year uh, and since then uh, infrastructure you know roads and, yeah. and and bridges and things like that have been a big issue constantly. Can you talk about the gas tax a little bit? Sure, okay. I can be happy to. Do that. And, and you know, so when I campaigned last year, I talked a lot about infrastructure. Mm-hmm. People want their roads fixed, yes. and you know, unfortunately, that involves raising revenue, which yeah. the only way to do that is through a tax. So. Mm-hmm. Um, kudos to the governor who came out and said in his state of the state in March that it was his intent to fix our roads mm-hmm. and bridges in the state of Ohio because there's been such a lack of investment by the state mm-hmm. uh, over the last many years when during the Kasich administration, you know, we had went through a recession, of course, <laughs> yeah. and some of that was dictated by that. But, you know, our state tax policy really has also dictated, uh, you know, sort of the lack of investment in our local governments and, and infrastructure. So. I'm glad that the governor had sort of set the tone initially on wanting to take a stab at fixing our roads and bridges, and it's time to start investing in that. So um, the governor, uh, I think, you know, forgive me, I I don't have all the numbers that are all jumping in my head right now, but the governor, uh, I believe, was a a 14.5 cent increase on the gas tax that hadn't been increased since early 2000s. And uh, mm-hmm. obviously, over time, with uh, even low inflation, you're going to lose the ability to do much uh, with the same amount of money. Yeah. So, you know what what you know might what you might have been able to buy in 2002, you can't necessarily buy it for the buy. same price in Correct. 2019. That's at right. Nowhere so, near. <laughs> so there was um, there was a call for a 14 and a half cent increase. Mm-hmm. I think we ended up settling on 10.6 cents. Okay. Um, there were some fees charged to, to hybrid vehicles and electric vehicles mm-hmm. to account for the fact that they use the roads too, but they're not paying for gas as mm-hmm. much uh, as gas-powered vehicles. And so 
that's generated a significant or projected to generate significant amounts of revenue mm-hmm. for the county, okay. for our local governments. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I can, I, the number that sticks with me in Parma is uh, $3 million over what they had been receiving okay. in, in local revenues for... That can fix quite for, a few roads. It can, it can do a lot bigger dent than what we were doing, yeah. I could tell you. Yeah, yeah, it's never enough. I mean, we, we, our climate uh, dictates... Uh, challenges with our uh, infrastructure system as well and there's not a whole lot we can do um, about the weather conditions that we have here but um, I am appreciative of the state taking that step so I wanted to make sure that you had an opportunity to talk about that. Um, You also mentioned the national news kind of dictating some of the uh, some of the type of calls or a call to actions maybe that you might receive. Um, do you care to talk about the recent uh, the recent shootings in Dayton sure. and anything as it relates to the governor and the state house? And well, I'm pleased to see the governor has. Uh, you know, it's not often that you see a Republican, um, let alone a Republican governor, step out in front and say, you know, it's time to take action. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, obviously, he heard the calls at the vigil on Sunday mm-hmm. uh, for people to you know, for, for elected officials to take action, do something. And there are already bills pending in the Ohio legislature right now mm-hmm. um, that have been proposed, you know, at the outset of uh, the uh, General Assembly in January that have just languished. Can and you talk about one or two maybe that might be of interest to our listeners or anything that you personally put your stamp on and say that you'd like to see get passed? Universal background checks. Okay. Um, that's, that's one that a recent poll suggested 90% of Ohioans yes. will support. And, um, you know, I think what has been unfortunate is any time this discussion has come up, the talking points from gun advocates has been that Democrats are trying to take your guns. No. And, I, you know, I don't think that, you know, I, I don't want to speak for every Democrat, but I can tell you that this Democrat uh, respects our constitutional rights, but Likewise. also but also knows that there are certainly uh you know, avenues that uh, would protect constitutional rights while at the same time, you know, providing a, a safety uh, net for the rest of us that, you know, don't necessarily, you know, want uh, guns to be so prevalent in their communities. The right. folks with uh, that have severe mental illness that might commit suicide, for example. Right. I mean, uh, those are folks that, you know, if we can get them mental health treatment, if we can find other ways to uh, start addressing this issue, then, you know, then we need to start addressing this issue. It's, right. it's you know, I put out a statement um, recently that said, you know, it's, you know, we're tired of phony statements about thoughts and prayers. Yeah. To me, it's just, it, to me, it's I phony was, at this point. Yeah, I was, uh, I, I generally try to reserve my remarks and, and post for positivity and encouragement. And I just, I could no longer sit back and be silent, but it was difficult to find the words. And, and, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, thoughts and prayers just, aren't enough anymore and um i i too was uh, pleased to see uh go- the governor take a step in the right direction so i hope that uh we can actually make some progress as it relates to those issues um before you came in you told me you, you did another podcast <laughs> is that right yes yeah, so there's a uh, another uh, emerging podcast about emerging state policy issues okay. and then that podcast is just getting off the ground and so as is our, so you are like the the podcast emerger expert here. Yeah, well, <laughs> must be my aura. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I'm working on some social justice issues okay. in Columbus. Let's and, talk about it. Um, 
Uh, yeah, happy to do so. So uh, Representative Upchurch and I, for example, are working on a, a juvenile justice bill. Okay. And that bill would uh, expand Miranda warning rights for juveniles if we were able to get it passed. Um, wow. You know, if people have seen the Netflix special about the Central Park Five. When they see us, yes. Heartbreaking mm-hmm. stuff, you know, and... You know, I was familiar with the story, and I've and I've seen the documentary uh, that uh, uh, was out a few years ago. But you watch those powerful portrayals, and mm-hmm. you just, you know, you have to empathize with the folks that are in those situations that don't understand the Miranda rights, mm-hmm. don't understand, simply don't understand as a 15 or 16 year old what the right to remain silent means yeah. and how that impacts their case and. You know what it means for um, police to say things that you know aren't true in terms of a in the in the context of an investigation. So, our bill would look to address some of those issues. And uh, Representative Upchurch and I have been working on that. Again, we're in recess, but we've uh, continued to work diligently on this piece of legislation. For example, so for for those who aren't as uh, familiar, the Miranda rights are when you have the right to remain silent. Correct. Uh, and so, does that not uh, does that not apply to youth right now? Is that or how does what what would your what would in a little bit more uh, depth and detail what would your legislation um, call for or change or promote? The Miranda rights uh, everyone's entitled to Miranda rights mm-hmm. regardless of whether they're eighteen years old or not. All right. The difference is I think juveniles uh, the, the Miranda rights are typically everyone's seen those police procedurals you know law and order you mm-hmm. have the right to remain silent you have the right to an attorney mm-hmm. um, you know what you say can and will be used against you. Yeah. Um, if that you can't afford will, an attorney, that will be, it will be used yeah. and definitely mm-hmm, will be used. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and if you don't immediately ask for an attorney right off the bat, mm-hmm. then the police are entitled to continue to question you. Wow. So, um, we want, uh, our goal here is to ensure that juveniles truly understand what their rights are okay. when they're, when they're stopped and, and interrogated. Mm-hmm. We don't want juveniles, children, really, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. to be put in a position where they're confessing to crimes that they didn't commit because mm-hmm. of the coercive nature of some types of these interrogations. And this is not to malign our investigators. I think no. they do yeah. a tremendous job in keeping our communities safe. But I think that everybody needs to play by fair rules, and our juveniles need to be protected in some ways. I thank you for that. And I, and I do think it's important to note that we understand um, that that is uh, – the, not the majority that, that are using um, those practices to to uh, of coercive practices and so but for those who are um, we want to be able to protect those who are the most vulnerable and and, and um, often who are um, the least informed so I think that that I would applaud you on that you also mentioned um, a clean slate clean yes. slate uh, bill so yes. can you talk about that too sure um, that bill isn't as far along but um, we're not an uncharted by the way we're not on uncharted territory on on the uh, juvenile piece and, okay. and the clean slate law has already been uh, traveled ground here okay. uh, states like Pennsylvania have mm-hmm. uh, not only passed the bill but it's, it's gone into effect and it's, so what is the clean slate so, what is yeah, that? I should what probably is that? tell you what it is first right <laughs> um, the clean slate law would um, automatically expunge certain crimes low-level crimes okay. nothing violent yeah. not uh, no domestic violence or anything like that okay. it would be truly disorderly conduct type crimes right. uh, uh, you know things that uh, 
people sometimes get uh, you know in trouble for, have to pay fines for, yeah. don't typically necessarily go to jail for, mm-hmm. but you know do represent obstacles down the road as they're looking to get a new job or trying to get housing. Yes. And, and the goal here is to remove barriers, you know, to these types of things, and to and there's been studies actually. Uh, there was a study done in Michigan uh, that showed that. Uh, people that avail themselves of expungements, mm-hmm. right? That that whose crimes are eligible to come off their records, should they choose to pursue that mm-hmm. that relief, they have an in- increase in income by like twenty five percent. Get out of here! I mean, that's an astounding number. That it would take is. people in many instances would help alleviate some poverty conditions yes. if we can just get those uh, those records cleaned up. So, Pennsylvania, like I said, their their bill actually was passed last year, went into effect in June. I want to say. Uh, and I might be wildly overestimating the impact, but I believe it was something, it was millions of records really? that were wiped clean wow. uh, initially. So right now, as the system exists today, uh, you have to hire an attorney in most cases. You have to file, pay filing fees with the court. Um, and then, you know, you have to have a hearing and, and there's a whole procedure and, and, and you know, uh, mechanism involved in getting your records exposed. bureaucratic stuff yeah and i you know and i haven't polled attorney friends of mine yeah, but no. i'm gathering that they would be fine not, <laughs> this is not a big part of their practice removing and, some of this red tape yeah, yeah i think they'd be fine with that so this that's what this bill would seek to do again low level things that people would be already eligible to have expunged okay. and again there's studies out there that show um that People that haven't committed a crime in six years mm-hmm. are no more likely to commit any other crime than anybody else off the street that has never committed a crime. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of good po- – uh, this is good policy in uh, uh, states, like I said. Uh, Pennsylvania has done it. Utah did it unanimously in both chambers. Get out of here. Yeah. Well, Ohio, we have a chance. We can do it. <laughs> we, we can, can do can it. We can do this. That's right. We can definitely and it's, do it's this. And it's made very interesting bipartisan bedfellows. Uh, oh, the the Koch brothers are on board with this. What? Yeah, okay. so uh, I think there's a real opportunity to make some positive change. And this would this would um, impact misdemeanors and felonies. Not felonies. Okay. Mostly right. misdemeanors. misdemeanors. Yeah. Okay. 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 So and so with as it relates to felonies, I know there have all there's been some conversations around uh, um, Zach Klein, uh, the attorney in the, the city of Columbus, has uh, put forth some legislation there to try to address some of the felony. Um, issues. Is there anything happening at the state house relative to the felonies? There's all kinds of things going yeah. on. <laughs> <And I> know, <laughs> That's a broad uh, question. I'm w- sorry. Well, I'll say this. Um, <laughs> the time is right for criminal justice type reforms. Yeah. You know, there is an appetite for it in, in both chambers. Okay. In the House and the Senate, there's a there's an appetite uh, along bipartisan lines. Yeah. Uh, you know, I sit on the civil and the criminal justice, two type, different committees in the House. But I sit on both and uh, with a lot of different attorneys on both sides. The yeah. chairman of the criminal justice committee has told me that, you know, we need to stop locking people away that we're mad at mm. and only really lock away lock people away that that are truly violent and, yeah. and, and represent a safety risk so I, I, I you know I, there's so many good policy reasons to support some changes in how criminal justice is applied and um, you know I, I might as well seize this opportunity now to, to do, do some good work well you um, you have left us with a lot of information, and um, in, in your short time, it seems like you are a well-seasoned state representative, let me say that, so you are doing a fine job. Um, can you? Would you care to share some of the challenges or some of the successes you've had since you've become a state rep? 
Well, I can talk about challenges and I can talk about successes. Yeah. Uh, so let, let's talk about challenges. I mean, obviously, being a Democrat in a state house <laughs> where you're in a distinct minority represents a challenge. Yeah. And uh, I think the the uh, trick there, if there is a trick, mm-hmm. it's more about a, an ability, is to, to advocate along lines that uh, you can find common agreement on. Right. So. You know, you do have to reach across the aisle, you know, and it can be done. Especially and when you're in the super minority, right? Yeah, and I like to tell folks that what they see on television, whether they're watching CNN, MSNBC, Fox, MSNBC or Fox News, you know, the things that go on in, 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 in D.C. are not really going on in, in Columbus. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all Ohioans. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all in the same community at the end of the day. Love it. And we're working together to find uh, solutions. We don't always agree, but right. we disagree respectfully. Now, do you find that... Um, when you talk about work, working across the aisle, that you 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 come to realize you have more in common with some of your uh, folks across the aisle than you realized or imagined. Is that a surprise to you ever? I I was prepared. Let's say I was prepared for very divisive environment, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, uh, shame on me. I should have come in with a little open mind. No, I mean, but I think that what made me comfortable, I'll tell you, was when I went down for orientation right after I'd been elected, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of uh, discussion about bipartisanship. Okay. And so I think that's both a challenge and a success because I think to my cre- to my colleagues credit across the other side of the aisle mm-hmm. they have also reached out to us on various issues to work with us on issues um, again you know I think the difference is you know we can all agree and identify what the problems are and we just disagree on some of the solutions and that's okay you know I can work with that you know yeah. uh, but we have to talk about facts and we have to make sure we get facts right let's get facts right people so biggest surprise any big surprise pleasant or pleasant since becoming the state rep for district 15 <sighs> well that's a good that's a really good question too. <laughs> um well, I, the Democrats helped select the Speaker of the House and voted for the Republican <laughs> Speaker of the House. That was a big surprise. Um, but we did that with uh, the encouragement of our labor partners. Okay. Um, you know, it was important to them. Right. Um, we did that because, um, you know, there was a commitment to keep some of those right, to, so-called right-to-work yeah. uh, pieces of legislation that like to Out. deny, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know, unions uh, the right to organize or to collectively bargain or... You know, we, we want to keep those things uh, at bay because people should have the right to to uh, to, to unionize, to, mm-hmm. to bargain uh, in a collective uh, in a collective way to Absolutely. better their pay, to better their you know job situations. Yes. All right. So we're com- we're nearing the end, and and so one of the things that I like to ask our guests when they come is um, there are two things. So one thing, something personal that some people might be surprised to know about you. What? Uh, well, when I was in fourth grade, I bought a Rubik's Cube and learned how to solve it. Oh. Uh, that's, a, that's a little, it's the first thing that comes out of my mind. It's interesting. Wow. I also used to be a competitive runner. What? Can't tell anymore. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. yeah. You, you, I, it looks like you could still get a yeah. good run in. So. And then finally, call to action. Anything that you would like to promote or share with our audience, whether there's an upcoming meeting, fundraiser, or um, just uh, any type of call to action that you want our listeners to do well we're heading into well we have municipal elections this year and then we're heading into a very robust uh, election season next year and people will be focused on the presidential election but there are uh, county council races next (laughs) year there's uh, state representative races next year and you can really have an impact on your community by getting involved at every at every level at the county level at the local level at the state house level and uh, you know uh, we candidates out there do appreciate uh, and respect and admire folks that do want to step up and volunteer 
to help us out because yes. this does not uh, get done by itself. It does not get done on its own. And uh, as a candidate, uh, you know, you're always grateful for your volunteers. So I would encourage people to, if you don't have a lot of money, go out and spend some time making phone calls for candidates. Awesome. Or, you know, we got to rally the troops next year. We got a lot of work to get done. We've got a lot of work to do. Well, State Representative Jeff Crossman, thank you so, so much for coming on, sharing all of the wonderful news and all the things that are happening at this state and just giving us a little bit of you today. We really appreciate it. I want to wish you continued success and um, keep fighting a good fight down there. It sounds like you're doing amazing work and I couldn't be more proud to have you represent the uh, District 15. So for our listeners, thank you for tuning in. This concludes our episode of Chair Chats with Chantel Brown, County Councilwoman for District 9 and Chairwoman of the Cuyahoga County Democratic Party. Thanks for listening. We're out.